being in a relationship with someone who was traumatized as a kid can be wonderful because those of us with trauma can be very compassionate and insightful and we can be very hard to be with because we've got trauma wounds. Partners with CPTSD, yes, we're sensitive and prickly and we can have a tendency to put it all on you to make us feel better. Like when we're feeling stressed and anxious, unless there's a lot of healing, we sometimes try to blame you for the bad feeling and make you responsible to make it go away. Now with healing, people with CPTSD can genuinely assume responsibility for their own moods and their own trauma symptoms and states of dysregulation and coming back from that. So this is true of everyone. If you, as a partner, have any kind of people-pleasing going on or you're feeling insecure in the relationship, there's a risk that you're going to try to accept that responsibility of keeping them happy. And as much as you want to be a good partner, it's not helpful to either of you to take the fall for them like that. Supportive, yes, but trying to control their mood, no. So my letter today is from someone I'll call Seth, and he writes, Hello, crappy childhood fairy. My fiance has CPTSD and your videos have helped me understand what she's going through and why certain things happen between us. Mm -hmm. I got my fairy pencil. I'm gonna circle things I wanna come back to on a second reading, but let's read through Seth's letter and see what's going on. He says, our relationship is so much better because of watching you and reading people like Pete Walker. Yes. A question that I often find myself grappling with, however, is about my own personal responsibility toward my partner. Mm-hmm. I think it's completely normal for partners to feel frustration with each other. Yes, it is, Seth. <laughs> and get upset by certain behaviors and ask for specific adjustments within reason to suit each other's needs. Obviously, that happens with or without CPTSD. However, I have difficulty knowing when to blame some of these reactions and requests from her on a flashback and when to actually adjust my behavior to her needs. Do you have any tips for separating a reasonable request from a partner from a demand rooted in trauma? I'm scared of it becoming a sort of get out of jail free card for me when I should reflect on my own behavior and I'm scared of pathologizing her behavior, potentially gaslighting her and not taking her seriously when I should. Equally, I'm very scared I will encourage flashbacks if I adjust my behavior to them too much. How should I think about this? Thank you. All right, Seth, this is such a good question and I'm so glad you asked. And in a way, I wish you had told me like what it is we're talking about because it would give me a frame of reference. But you're sort of like, you're setting me up to just sort of say, here are some general rules and I'll try to make that as helpful as I can. So a person with CPTSD who has become aware that they have emotional flashbacks and you said Pete Walker. So Pete Walker is a therapist who identified this thing called emotional flashbacks. It's a little different than the kind of um, flashbacks that a person with regular post-traumatic stress syndrome has. So we know about that from like, you see movies about war veterans, they come home, they're having nightmares, they wake up frantic, they wanna hit somebody, they're, in, they're living through a memory and then they wake up and they're like, oh gosh, I'm in present time. An emotional flashback tends to have formed in childhood, like early childhood, before there was language. So there is no memory, there is no way to say, oh, that was just a dream, I thought I was back in this terrible situation, but I'm here now. It's just a feeling that's upon you, and it's a very, very strong and very sort of consuming feeling of like anger, dread, panic, 
crying, grief, very strong. And when it, uh, people with complex PTSD, I mean, Pete Walker's so brilliant for naming this. It's sort of like having a dream while you're awake and putting a layer of terribleness on things that isn't actually there. And it's very hard for partners to deal with because they're like, but I didn't say that, but I didn't do that. You're acting like I'm a murderer. You're, it's, it's a very hard situation to be in when somebody is in an emotional flashback and you can't reason with them. Very upsetting, right? And so the words that come out of our mouths when one person is in a flashback will tend to be arguing. It's a fight. It's like, yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. You don't care. Yes, I do. Ugh. It just escalates. It's, it's, it, it can't be done. I'm going to lay down the law here. And your fiance, I don't know if she cares what I'm saying here. I hope she does. But the person with CPTSD, with the benefit of this knowledge of what a flashback is, needs to use the flashback information in that Pete Walker book. He has this excellent list on you know what to do. And the first thing is admit, just say to yourself, I am in an emotional flashback. And then you start to ground yourself back in reality. What you don't do is go and try to hammer out all the future of the relationship and get the other person to take responsibility because the other person does not cause the emotional flashback. Other people, you know, are unpleasant. Sometimes they cross boundaries. They say things that are hurtful. Like other people are people and all the things that people do, other people do. But the emotional flashback is within and it cannot be the responsibility of other people. That's a really bad strategy to try to manage one's own CPTSD is to put the responsibility on other people. So I'll tell you, here's something that causes an emotional flashback in me. Um, getting awakened suddenly at night can't totally be helped, right? Sometimes a siren goes off or something or the cat jumps on the bed. And, um, but my husband very courteously tries not to wake me up suddenly, abruptly in the middle of the night. That is common courtesy. That is something you would do for anybody. But we know that sometimes I'd just be like, ah, also, I don't like getting tickled. Tickling is off limits for anybody who knows me. I get an emotional flashback from that trigger. But most of my emotional flashbacks are not caused by anything in this world. They're coming up from the dark hole of memory. They, it tends to be something I wake up with. It's nobody's fault. It's not my fault. It's, it's nobody's fault. It's just a neurological phenomenon. It comes up. And it started to get better when I could go, I'm having an emotional flashback. That's what it is. And how I deal with it is I do not try to talk it out with my husband or anybody else. I go use my tools by myself to take all the feelings that come up for me in that emotional flashback. And here's what they feel like. Oh my God, I have to do everything. Nobody helps me with anything. It's a very adversarial way to approach your husband on a Sunday morning. And I used to do it. I didn't know I was having flashbacks. I would just, I would just like pay attention to my feelings and be like, I am just so fed up with the way I have to do everything. And I did not know until I read what an emotional flashback was. I just didn't have that reference point to go, oh, that's weird. I, I do it whether, I don't know, you know, like there's always an amount of undone stuff. And sometimes we're like, you, it's your turn to do, to do the chore or whatever. We have all that, like all couples. But my emotional flashbacks are in no way linked to what's actually going on. It's coming from in here. And it makes me very unpleasant when I'm doing it. And it makes him actually like want to get away and not want to definitely not want to um, fix the problem by doing chores. Because actually, even if he does chores, that's nice when people do chores. Let's say it's chores is the issue. It doesn't fix my emotional flashback. Nothing you do out here fixes it. And the telltale sign that you're in a flashback, not in some sort of couple dynamic where, where you, Seth, are responsible, is that no matter what you do, it doesn't fix it. 
that means it's inside her, right? And not to just blame her, like we're each people, we each bring our complications to relationships. But so that's, um, I used to spend hours, you know, trying to process problems in relationships and oh, you know, but I felt this way, but you're not acknowledging how I felt, but uh, you're not hearing me. You, you just don't even take it seriously. All these feelings. <laughs> That's the emotional flashback talking. I mean, those things could really be happening and have in my life, but when it's just like coming out no matter what, no matter what he tries to do, he's like tap dancing, he did all the chores, it's my emotional flashback. So what a smart partner does is just go, honey, I'm gonna let you work this out and I'm here to, you know, <laughs> work in the actual realm of reality here after you're done doing what you do. But I, you know, when you work out your emotional flashback, I find it very hard to deal with you when it's like this. My husband setting boundaries on me was the best thing he could have done. It made it necessary. I didn't like it at first, right? I, I was very convinced that he was making me feel that unpleasant feeling that I had. But it forced me to have to like read a book and learn what it is and take responsibility and discover through my own experience how much better things could go when I dealt with my own flashback, right? And I'm not the designated patient in, in this relationship and nor is your fiance. You know, we, we each bring our, our weird things to the relationship. With you, I hear you really trying to please her and I'm gonna encourage you, don't try to solve things by tap dancing for her. Like, honey, I'll do anything, I'll do anything. Don't do that because that, you're saying it encourages flashbacks. I don't think it encourages flashbacks per se. That's a neurological thing that she will learn to do better with if she works her own tools on it. The false belief in each of you that you are responsible for the way she's feeling and therefore that you've messed up when you don't fix it for her. See, the person who tap dances and tries to make the other person happy ultimately gets blamed. It's like, you haven't fixed me yet. I still feel terrible and now the dinner is ruined. <laughs> I'm just making fun of all of us, you know, I'm making fun of my own life. I've been through these arguments so many times and I am so glad to be out of them, to be out of them. And so it takes like a tenth of the effort to just take my tools, use my daily practice, make a phone call if I have to, write my fears and resentments, meditate. When I say write my fears and resentments, everybody don't try that at home. Take my free course. You can learn and try the specific technique, not to rant and exacerbate your negative feelings, but to actually get relief from them. Try the technique and then meditate. Those are the tools I use. And then I come back with a fresh perspective. It turns out my emotional flashbacks are very treatable when I know the tools to use. They don't go away forever. And if I'm not using my tools or I'm very tired or you know run down, it'll come back. And that's, it's sort of, I always say that having CPTSD, it's a bit like having diabetes where you know you could really like live quite well you know if you eat a certain way if you take your medicine if you deal with it if you do what you can do but if you stop doing all those things ugh, you know it comes back and that's what that's my experience of cptsd so it's a maintenance thing and um I don't think couples can survive happily if they get into a dynamic that the person who doesn't have CPTSD is responsible to keep the other one from getting triggered. The proper basis for marrying somebody is to accept them as they are, can I just say. Now I know we do, you, like you said, we have to make requests within reason and that's okay, but it's not within reason to say that you're responsible for her flashbacks. Boundaries, boundaries <laughs> are much better for you and a, and a total gift to her so that she can really know, even though it's a painful lesson sometimes, 
what part of what's inside her hula hoop of responsibility. And sometimes when we're feeling terrible and a person is standing right in front of us, it's just easy to think, you, you're the one. Because blame is one of our self-defeating behaviors, blaming other people or blaming ourselves, but just getting into, you know, somebody's the terrible bad guy here. With CPTSD, the damage was done. We know who did that, maybe. <laughs> but what's relevant now is just like, we got to use our tools. We got to use our tools and navigate this as best we can so that we don't generate new trauma, new relationship breakdown, new generational, you know, terror. <laughs> that's what, because that's what happens when we form relationships when CPTSD is active and turning into, you know, terrible dynamics as we pass it on to another generation. So you can do this. Your healing is to focus on yourself. And I would really encourage you to possibly check out um, a 12 step program. So rather than you watching my content on her behalf, I'm glad you understand it. You work on content for you about possibly being codependent or in there trying to manage her happiness. That's what codependence is. And that is, that is something that you can change. You can heal that. Um, I'm talking this week about um, the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy by Robert Glover for men who s often like pour their life energy away, trying to make some woman happy and nobody's happy. That dynamic, I don't know if that applies to you, but you might want to check that out. And also um, Codependence Anonymous and um, ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholics and Other Dysfunctional Families. I don't know if that applies to you, but someplace where you are focusing on you, how you feel, and so that you have group support and you're getting to know other men who are walking this path too, and you have friendship where you can truly be open and honest about what you're going through and get that mutual support from people. I encourage you. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, Think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.